0: This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter.
1: This is Michael Severe from The Bottom Line through the Omaha World Herald Radio Show. I love listening to Mighty Mouse and the Fat Man or, no, no, that's not what it's called. What's it called? Oh, Two-Headed Nerd Podcast. I love listening to that. Fat Man, Little Guy. When well, you put them together, they're kind of like a 10. I love those guys. You're listening to that right now with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like down. good podcasting Broadcasting
0: from the Cigarette in Omaha. Deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to this Oscar-snubbed edition of THN Episode 190. 19- 98. Not a single nomination? Seriously, where well, we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, February 17th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. When I'm not winning the award for best editing after cutting all Joe Patrick's belches, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for worthpoint.com. It would have been so great if I had a real one there. I was going to say, if you had to burp, now would be the time. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> You're going to think that that was a sound effect I put in. <laughs> no. Demand is burped on command. I can burp on
1: command. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not winning a Lifetime Achievement Award for putting up with my megalomaniacal co-host, I'm the manager of Legend (laughs) Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. You'd be nowhere without me. In this week's episode, you'll hear
0: our reviews of E.I., the number 8, H.T., and Secret Identities, (laughs) number 1. After that, we'll review 10 more of this week's new comics faster than we can get played off stage during our acceptance speech during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Madam Webb is helping us fill out our Oscar ballots for the annual high stakes THN Oscar party, and you're not invited. And discussing a couple of next week's comics. And finally, we're going to get all sad and weepy when we review Scott McCloud's The Sculptor for our Take a Look It's in a Book segment. But before all the award-winning bullshit you're used to, let's binge watch the whole season of Richie Rich on Netflix so we can keep this show relevant. Did you even know that there was a Richie Rich original show?
1: I knew that there was one coming. I didn't know it was already out. It's
0: out. Bang. I heard like, it's awful. They made it in like 15 minutes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then we can talk about this week's big news. We got big news. Murray's rejoice. Perverts. I think I've used that before. Dark Horse Comics has announced, maybe the last time we talked about this character, (laughs) Dark Horse Comics has announced the return of Stan Sakai's Yusagi Yojimbo. That or My Little Pony seems to be where this comes up. Yeah, after a three-year hiatus. Obviously, Dark Horse forgot that they just published an original Yusagi miniseries, but I digress. Kicking off with a new story in Yusagi Yojimbo 145, the series continues as Yusagi finds himself caught up in a fight between his thief friend Kitsune... And a ninja intent on getting the mysterious scroll Katsuni's stolen at any cost. Yusagi 145 will hit stands in May. Map bomb on a scale from Netherland dwarf to Flemish giant. How excited are you? Those are types of rabbits. Uh,
0: okay. <laughs> it's like, wait, I don't remember these from the
1: monster manual at all.
0: <laughs> it's been, seriously, it's been like three years since we've had an issue. Of Usagi proper.
1: Yes, and so, as you pointed out, uh, Senso was in an alternate future or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time the main Usagi saga has seen a new chapter since 2012. Yeah, I was getting really worried that maybe Stan Sakai was just
0: losing interest or stopping. No, well, he had a lot going on. His or, wife had health problems. No, and, and that's true. And hopefully this is him getting back on the Usagi bike. And man, yes, more and more and more. I love Usagi Ojimbo. Anyone who's not reading it is a total jerk. It is the best comic book about samurais starring animals on the stands. (laughs) Fair. All right. Speaking of returns, Dynamite Entertainment has announced plans to resurrect Will Eisner's The Spirit. Will this be the 18th or 19th resurrection of The Spirit? In an all new monthly series, the character's first appearance in an ongoing series since DC canceled their first wave imprint in 2011. I still have no idea where that was supposed to take place. It was like another Batman. It was like a it was like
1: a pulpy (laughs) adventure world.
0: As with every single title Dynamite publishes, the spirit will come with covers by Alex Ross and the series will be written and drawn by Matt Wagner. Love Matt Wagner. Wagner, of course, is best known for his groundbreaking work on titles like Grendel and Mage in the 80s and 90s. I am a gigantic fan of Wagner, but will fans respond to yet another revival? And will it be as good as Frank Miller's spirit? You mean the movie? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that
1: piece of shit? I The spirit is a character that I, that I appreciate the historical significance, but man, I just don't know. Yeah, like even Darwin Cook
0: tackled the spirit briefly
1: and I hear it was awesome I just didn't I didn't care I didn't care enough to read it (laughs) yeah maybe this makes us bad comic book fans that could be but I do
0: feel like and I'm not taking anything away from Will Eisner's spirit it's a very important book back in the day I do feel like ever since Will Eisner did it several different companies have been trying to push the spirit on us and make us appreciate something forcing the issue
1: let me let me phrase it a different way if I really wanted to read about the spirit, I would go back and read Will Eisner's spirit.
0: Yeah. Even with Matt Wagner tied to this, who I think is very talented and can probably do the best job of all the names that we've seen attached to this character. Right. I still don't know if I care. And, and, may, and that's may, may, maybe I I'm kind the of, bad guy. I feel bad about it. Yeah, I, feel, I do too. I feel
1: bad that I don't care more about it. Right. This is kind of symptomatic of a problem dynamite has or they obviously don't see it as a problem but this tendency to revive and rehash and retool golden age yeah or public domain characters over and over and over i get that they like that stuff maybe it's in their execution maybe it's it's this sort of thing you know getting a creator of matt wagner's caliber to come back and revive the character yeah maybe that is what will finally make me sit up and go oh yes yes the and you know, spirit and you know what
0: maybe we're totally wrong lay it on us guys have, do you care about the spirit has it been done well before you can go to the thn forums we have a whole new lay it on me section where you can tell us are we wrong
1: yeah is there a place is there still a place for these characters that keep getting revived over yeah. and over
0: and over again i don't know we'll have to wait and hear from you guys because apparently we're bad at liking the spirit
1: <laughs> we're bad at a lot of things in movie news, The Hollywood Reporter has revealed some casting for Fox's upcoming Deadpool film. Haywire star Gina Carano has joined the cast as Marvel's beloved mutant character, Angel Dust. For those not in the know, Angel Dust was created by Jeff Johns in the early 2000s as a member of the sewer-dwelling Morlocks. Carano will join Silicon Valley star TJ Miller and Firefly star Morena Baccarin. THR has also reported that Colossus will appear in the film, though Daniel Cudmore, the actor that portrayed the character in previous X-Men films, will not reprise the role.
0: So I predict Colossus walks through the background like the Sasquatch in the the old 70s, like (laughs) Sasquatch footage.
1: (laughs) Matt, how's this Deadpool movie shaping up for you so far?
0: I mean, I, I don't know. This is not certainly enough for me to get excited about. I really don't care about morlocks we've never heard of and i don't it's almost like a non-announcement other than they wanted to announce gina carino is in the film i just think there's plenty of other female characters that they could even use gina carano for i don't take issue with her
1: and i know Angel i don't really Dust, know anything about gina carano
0: i didn't see haywire Haywire was excellent with that said they did dub her voice because she doesn't have the strongest speaking voice I guess, and that was Steven Soderbergh's idea yeah. to do that. That guy's a capable director, so... I mean, we'll see. I, 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 I don't, don't understand, about, like,
1: I, Angel Dust? Why? Well, I don't know. Well, why not?
0: I mean, is it because everyone else is being used in the other X films? Why or? not?
1: Why not take a character that's got... Even just the slightest bit of name recognition, but it's somebody that you can do whatever you want with.
0: I suppose, but isn't there other? If you have a cool idea for it, more
1: name recognition, they could do that with. Well, I'm wondering, Baccarine, I wonder if she's either. I want somebody to be Domino in this damn movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or there is another female character called Copycat that was very closely tied to Deadpool in his early days. Oh yeah, so about of a Copycat. It, it would be cool if one of them was Copycat. Angel Dust, I don't really care. Uh, I think the news is more that this Gina Carano, who seems to be kind of popular. Well, sort of.
0: Has been cast (laughs) in the movie. I don't know. She's popular for beating up other women in uh, UFC. Okay, sure. That's where she came from.
1: I really like TJ Miller from Silicon Valley.
0: Okay, I do too.
1: Yeah, I think. Funny guy. I guess it's news to the extent that so far nothing has come out about this Deadpool movie that has made me go, Ew. So file this under excited, not excited. I'm not, yeah, I am so far so good. Let's get to the the big Hollywood news. All right, in other Hollywood news, Zack Snyder tweeted an image of Jason Momoa in costume, comma, giving fans their first look at the dawn of justice Aquaman.
0: We are calling it Aquamamoa.
1: Aquamamoa. <laughs> the image was emblazoned. aqua Momoa Man. <laughs> Aquamamoa aqua Man, that's... Boom! Hashtag <laughs> Aquaman man, there it is. The image was emblazoned with the hashtag ready words unite the seven, likely referring to the seven members of the Justice League. Though some sites had trouble connecting those dots, thinking it had something to do with the seven Cs. Okay, I'll give him credit. Looking at you, badass digest. They went, they went deep <laughs> for that one. I'll give him that. Matt Bomb gut
0: reaction. Do you remember when we got a little worried about Warner Brothers making this Batman and Superman movie a little too dark for our tastes? Yes. Okay, now I'm going to answer your question with a question. Does this picture of Aqua Momoa Man fill you with any hope that it's not going to be as dark as we thought? <laughs> um, this is a dark, mean, extreme, borderline ridiculous Aquaman. I'm not saying Momoa doesn't look tough. He looks tough as hell. And if he was a professional wrestler coming out from behind the LED screen and walking down the ramp, I'd be like, oh, somebody's about to get their ass kicked. But big Polynesian tattooed Aquaman.
1: So what? Question mark. So what? Did he get those tattoos underwater? (laughs) Do you not know anything about Aquaman, Matt? He spent most of his life on land. I know that. Does that look like Aquaman to you? It looks like Peter David's Aquaman. 100%. A little bit. No, 100 percent. All he's missing is the hook hand and the fish scale. And I mean, no, he has that. He has that that like half chest piece thing and the
0: arm braces. You think this is reminiscent because I looked at it and I just went, I think I, I don't hate it, but I did think this doesn't have anything reminiscent to the Aquaman character as I've always seen him.
1: Okay, here's what I think. My first reaction was, whoa, that looks cool. I like the fact that he's got like really gross looking hair. (laughs) Like he lives in the water. So he's got barnacles growing on him. Probably. I don't know. Uh, I love the fact that his tattoos and his armor, what little of it he's wearing do mimic the gold chainmail. They've got that pattern in the tattoos and on the armor. A little bit. He can't be wearing green spandex and gold sequins. I get that. I don't, I don't disagree with that. And so for them to make a quote unquote realistic modernized version of Aquaman, I think this is an amazing take. Is it dark? Maybe. We don't know. But of any character in the movie that's not Batman, I'll take it from Aquaman. Aquaman is, especially that version of Aquaman in the 90s was a brooding Character that has this Namor. enormous burden. Yeah, he's
0: very Namor more than Aquaman, if you will.
1: <sighs> I don't know. My gut reaction was
0: excited. Let me ask you this. If that was a picture of Namor in a Marvel movie.
1: Okay. If that, if that was Namor from a Marvel movie, my ra- reaction would probably be less favorable, but only because Namor, the character, is so closely tied to his visual look. Okay. Of like the slick back hair and the pointy ears and the eyebrows. All right. It would almost read as completely... Disconnected. See, part of me like this to me is very reminiscent of a version of Aquaman that I enjoyed. And maybe I didn't consider that. And I
0: see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I still don't like Jason Momo as an actor. I don't think he's very good. Eh,
1: he's gonna grunt and throw his trident around. Yeah. It's not a trident. It's got five points. I know that. I don't want to get any emails. So it's a it's a Qu- quid quident? We <laughs> it's a quident. We don't know no math. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you call a trident with five points. It's a spear.
0: Okay, so I don't hate it, but it does make me think that yes, this is going to be just as dark and mean as we're it is and i guess i see what you're saying i'm okay again with aquaman with aquaman, with aquaman being aquaman, that way i'm okay like they're, uh, pissed off ruler of the aquaman seas Aquaman like,
1: being a jerk is firmly established yeah, in comic book i'm tired 10. of you
0: people dumping your sewage into the ocean right
1: yes it's not it's not a classic interpretation of aquaman but it's also not so completely foreign to me okay that i didn't i didn't get jazzed by it you're actually making me feel better right the, now hooray do I have a lot of confidence in Zack Snyder and what he's going to do in this next movie based on how I felt about Man of Steel? No, I do not. But at least it seems like it's shaping up in a way. You're really trying to polish. No, I'm saying, I'm saying (laughs) whether I like it or not, whether I ultimately like it or not, at least it all seems very deliberate. All right. And not just thrown together at at super fast, which is how it seemed like it was going to be. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay. Right now, it's based solely on that Aquaman
0: image, I'm giving it a thumbs up. Complex feelings about the news this week. Absolutely complex. Man. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where Joe and I are showing off our new Polynesian tribal tattoos. I got a marijuana leaf bandolier and Joe Patrick went for the full back Grant Gustin portrait. Man, do we look badass or what? Every Sunday, the great white whale, to my Ahab, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on the THN forums. Joey, more weight jokes. Yeah, but I'm also chasing you because I'm obsessed with you, and in the end, we both die. What are we asking listeners this week?
1: This week's question was inspired by Anthony from Brooklyn. Anthony. Speaking of Momoa and Angel Dust, et cetera, et cetera. What are your single favorite and single least favorite? Casting choices in comic book movies One favorite One that you hate Okay, There's so many I hate though (laughs) You have until (laughs) You have until 5pm this coming Friday February 27th To get us your answer You can call and leave a message using Skype Skype handle as always is to it a nerd all one word or call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. You or send an mp3 to two at gmail.com. <laughs> Whatever you do, keep it short. Three minutes or less, the shorter the better. If you need more time than that, feel free to write your full answer. Go crazy. In the question of the week section of the THN web forums. I'm going to spew some hate all over there, man. We don't say the shorter the better because we're not interested in what you have to say. No, no, no. It's just, just that we have so many people that call in now. A lot now. of you got to share the air. Share the air. You ought to be in pictures,
0: my star of stars.
1: It's review time on THN where Matt and I put on the rubber gloves and check the prostate of two of this week's new comics. You I got to do it. You've got to do it. I read that before it's I important. said it out loud. Matt, did you find anything worrisome in there? And what did you review? I reviewed eight. Matt, did you find anything worrisome up the butt of eight number one?
0: (laughs) I'll get there. I don't want to just dump it right on eight, all right? I mean, there's a gentle way to do this. I read eight, spelled E-I, the number eight, H-T. I hate that but I'm looking past it. Number one from Dark Horse. Nice of you. Written and illustrated by Raphael Albuquerque. And Mike Johnson. Oh, Co- yeah. Co-written with, by Mike Johnson. Co-written by Mike Johnson. Correct. 32 pages, three fifty, your standard price at Dark Horse Comics. Artist Raphael Albuquerque has been leveling us with his amazing art on American Vampire for more than a while now, but here he's decided to try and fashion himself into a double threat. Now, him and buddy Mike Johnson are writing the story, too. I've always loved Albuquerque's loose pencils, reminiscent of Joe Simon and John Romita Sr., but... I had always pigeonholed him as a talented penciler who turns his pages in on time and makes the writer he's working with look even better. He's taken on a huge task writing and drawing the story here. This is the story of a time traveler or chrononaut, which I joke sounds delicious, named Joshua on a journey to somewhere in between the past and present, a place called The Meld. Albuquerque opens the comic with a brief explanation on the first page The past is green. The present is purple. The future is blue. The meld is something else
1: entirely. It's kind
0: of a pleasant yellowish mouth. <laughs> mouth <Mauve. laughs> is purple. I know. I just pictured his mouth. <laughs> he burnt sienna, if you will. He uses his color palette to help the reader understand where they are in what otherwise could be a confusing story. It's an effect that only works in the comic media, and it illustrates Albuquerque's understanding and mastery of graphic storytelling.
1: Yeah. In fact... I once I keyed into what was going on, cool. I got mad because there is a section where he flashes back to before he traveled. Yes. And it's blue. And then I remembered, but to him, relative to where he is now, yes. that is the future. Yes. I was just gonna <laughs> yell at you. Yeah. Crazy. When I when that when that like clicked in my brain, I was like, aha. I had to read it <laughs> twice.
0: And the first time I read it, I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then I went back and I looked at that page for a minute. And I read it again with that in mind and went, wow. Yeah, that is impressive. In a nutshell, this guy is good, really good. I love Rippermender's Black Science, and it's impossible not to draw a parallel to this story. Totes. But in a Mateo, Scalera, Raphael, Albuquerque death match, I honestly don't know who walks out alive. The story drops us into the meld right along with Joshua, who, like the reader, has no idea where he is or what's going on. Albuquerque gives us brief flashes of memory to reveal the small parts of the story we're given so far. Joshua's lost in a desert landscape that isn't as foreign as he thinks it might be, as long as he can remember what he's supposed to be doing there, which is difficult as time travel or whatever the hell it is he just went through tends to scramble memory. This is a really great first issue by a very talented artist that, up until this point, we didn't know could write. I am on board for more, if nothing else, but to figure out why the hell is that Nazi riding a dinosaur?
1: (laughs) Buy it. I enjoyed it. And not to take anything away from it, but I wasn't blown away by the story. I was blown away by the art. Yes. I'm glad that he had Mike Johnson along for the ride. I really like that guy.
0: He's good. He's very good.
1: And yeah, I am glad that this book that is primarily driven by by the writing talents of the artist it did not turn out to be a train wreck.
0: And I guess I was more impressed with the mechanics of the book.
1: Yeah. Because the story
0: is very stripped down, but I think it's also stripped down in the sense that they want us to experience it from the main oh, character's sure. point of view. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I visually though, there's no mistake that the visuals are the main selling point for this story. Yeah. And it looked amazing. It really did. It really did. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm on board for this miniseries. I'm giving it a buy it too. Joey P. Tell me about Secret Identities. Number one. Okay. This is from Image Comics, written by Brian Joins and Jay Farber, with art by Elias Kiriasis, and colors by Charlie Kershoff. Nice job on the Kiriasis. Thank you. I've been saying it every time I type it. There you go. And I had to type it a lot. The superhero group known as The Frontline have just invited new hero Crosswind to join the team, but what they don't know is that Crosswind is a mole. Oh, I thought he was a mole. Not a mole, (laughs) and not the little hairy kind that you need to get checked
0: out. He's not a delicious Mexican sauce, and he's not a pest in your yard. (laughs) He's
1: been sent to learn all their secrets, and The Frontline have lots of secrets. The first things that come to mind when reading secret identities are memories of the Thunderbolts and the Judas Contract from the classic Teen Titans run, but Farber and Joins never hide the fact that Crosswind is a traitor. He's meant to be one of the main characters, and his plan to betray the team is the main thrust of the series. The members of the front line have a ton of skeletons in their closets, ranging from murder to polygamy to connections to the criminal element. Vesuvius, the giant flaming rock guy, has a hidden past that he doesn't want to be unearthed.
0: That, like, stretches all the way back to ancient Greece, it seems like.
1: Uh, to Pompeii, I think, right? Team leader Luminary is the president's daughter, but his chief of staff wants her to spy on the team. Most of the characters have something that they'd rather not have come to light. The script manages to touch on every member of the team and gives you a reason to care about all of them, as well as delivering a solid and exciting action sequence all in 30 pages. Beyond the conceit of the story... I thought the characters were just cool. I'd be interested in reading a superhero book about this group, even without the twist.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: They have an awesome headquarters built into the carcass of a dead cosmic giant that they defeated during their first adventure. Yeah. Very celestial. Coolest superhero costume. uh, Coolest superhero headquarters ever. Hey, it's rad. Guardians of the Galaxy hung out in a celestial head (laughs) for a while. In a severed head, yeah. (laughs) The art by Elias Curiasis is outstanding. The issue is full of dynamic figures and inventive character and creature designs. His work reminds me a lot. I I typed a little. I don't know why. It reminds me a lot of Hitman artist John McRae. I'm with you there. And Thor artist Russell Dowderman, especially Dowderman's past work on Superbia, which was a similar superhero story with a twist from like a, a different perspective. It was more like a superhero soap opera, though. Kind of. Yeah. Sadly, other commitments have forced colorist Charlie Kirchhoff to move on after just this first issue. His vibrant work is a real treat and a great compliment to Curiasis' art. Hopefully the next guy matches it at least.
0: I heard Kirchhoff got fired for uh, stealing from the register.
1: Yeah, yeah. Too bad. Well, we weren't going to... It's hard to find good help. We weren't going to bring it up in public. <laughs> Secret identities, number one, was without a doubt the best thing I read all week. I absolutely loved it. And if you like superhero comics that are a little off the beaten path, you'll like it too. Huge buy
0: it. I'm totally with you here, and this is what Jay Farber does. He's not reinventing the superhero genre. He's never tried to do that. He just puts little twists on it that make it even more fun. All the characters were really cool, and when I was done with this, my first thought was, man, I would love to see this guy write a Teen Titans book.
1: He's done it. It was not good. I
0: know, <laughs> and I don't know if that's <laughs> but his this fault. This was
1: when he was getting his start. That was yeah. way back in the day. I don't know if it was his that. fault. Who knows,
0: but I'd love to see him do it now. I'm giving this a huge buy it as well.
1: So that's a double buy it for 8 number 1 and Secret Identities number 1. As always, we want to know what you chrononauts and undercover traders thought of these comics. So when your memory returns, let us know who you're double crossing and hit us with your opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at 2 meeting. Just a meeting. In an
0: attempt to speed up the Oscars and squeeze in some more commercials this year, Joe and I have been asked to assemble a team of speedsters willing to work for pennies. So The Flash and Quicksilver were right out. We had to dig a little deeper for our musicians, so now we present to you your Oscar Orchestra. Aurora from Alpha Flight. Blur from DP7. Blur from the Transformers. Slide, who Joe Patrick says is not a speedster. Slide can move at 30 miles
1: an hour. He just (laughs) slides. He does not have super speed. Maybe he's the slowest one in the
0: orchestra. No. Speed Demon. Mongoose. Fastback. And the rival, with your conductor, Ingwe Malmsteen, guitar phenom, who will be playing these long-winded megalomaniac actors offstage. So, while the Speedy Orchestra practices their American Sniper theme song, join Joe and I as we review ten more of this week's comics during the Ludicrous Speed round.
1: Ludicrous speed! Go! The Multiversity Masterman number one from D.C. Graham Morrison continues his series of showing off how
0: cool the DCU could be if they put him in charge. This time with a Nazi Superman called Overman who helped the Third Reich take over the world alongside a National Socialist version of the Justice League. But even here, Soup feels guilty for the Holocaust and somehow Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters live and are waging a terrorist offensive against the Third Reich. This was the coolest version of Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters I have ever seen. This is another perfect... You only see him for like three pages. Yeah, it's still cooler than anything I've ever read by him. This is an... It was cooler than anything I've ever read starring that weird-ass team. This is another perfect issue of the Multiversity, this time penciled by the amazing Jim Lee. Like the other issues of Multiversity that peaked into different times and well-known genres, this issue looks at the hyper-nationalistic sense of American comics and flips it on its head. Please just put grant morrison in charge of everything at dc please buy it she hulk number 12 from marvel
1: charles soul and javier Polito close out this run of she hulk and the entire creative and editorial team move heaven and earth to avoid using the term canceled <laughs> soul and Polito bring the arc to a satisfying conclusion setting up the potential for future adventures it's a shame this run is being cut short even if soul only intended it to run a year She hulk is an amazing character in the right hands, and I'm sad to see it end again. Shame
0: on all of you for not buying it. All of you.
1: Buy it. Iron Fist, the living weapon, number nine from Marvel. Kerry Andrews continues his completely insane
0: and almost unrecognizable version of The Adventures of Danny Rand, and I can't say I'm not enjoying it. I'm just a little confused. This is far from the Iron Fist that Ed Brubaker reinvented. In fact, it's more like Iron Fist meets Black Metal, but I can't resist it. His art is so good, it keeps me coming back. I can't give this a buy it, because this is just a completely nutso take on the character. But Yeah, I, but if you like it, then it's a buy it. I'm giving it a strong skim it, because I feel like he's not doing Iron Fist right. <laughs> but, fair. it is doing it in an entertaining fashion.
1: Fair. Silk, number one from Marvel. I went into this book with low or no expectations and was blown away by how much I enjoyed it. Writer Robbie Thompson's script is bouncy and fun and sets up some interesting plot threads that will move the character forward. The art by Stacey Lee is awesome. It's not your standard superhero style, but it's a breath of fresh air, and I'm happy to see more diverse art styles become welcome additions to mainstream comics. This might be the topic of an Ask a Nerd question next month. It very well might Stay be. tuned. And
0: I like the art too, but I can maybe see it hurting sales on this book. I can see some people looking at it and going,
1: Ew, weird. I'm excited to read more from this team. I'm giving it a buy it. Cool.
0: Plunder number one from Boom. This is another entry into Boom's newly acquired Archaea line, and I'm not sure what they saw in this story of modern-day pirates on the high seas. We meet a young man named Badoon on a six-man pirate vessel, captained by a man named Internet. (laughs) With mates named Disco and Deadtooth. The dialogue was strange to the point of completely confusing, like poorly translated subtitles on a foreign film, and the art wasn't much help either. I'm just not sure what the creators were going for here. It's like they tried to avoid that old comic trope of having the characters speak with the little, you know, uh, parentheses and it says translated from whatever, so they can just speak in English and we understand them. And they just spoke in this really broken, bizarre English, that I could barely understand and made them sound like
1: cavemen. Maybe it is badly translated. I don't know. And I find it very hard to believe
0: that creators' real names are Swifty Lang and Scuds McKinley. (laughs) And if they are, that's awesome. Regardless, leave it. Stranger things have happened. Thrilling Adventure Hour presents Sparks Nevada colon Marshall on Mars from Image.
1: Benz, Acker, and Blacker reunite with J-Bone and Jordy Belair for the space western adventures of Marshall Sparks, Nevada.
0: That is how we will refer to them from this point forward. That's brilliant.
1: (laughs) The book oozes charm and the art is great, but I can't help but think that there's a little bit lost in the translation from podcast to comic page. Like, there's a theme song, right? Because it's a podcast. Of course. And they type out the entire theme song on the the first couple pages. Eh... It's like reading the lyrics to a song instead of hearing the song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Still, it's really funny. And you get the zero-issue adventure that was previously available online as a bonus. All for $3.99. Happy to see these characters come back to life in comic form. Buy it. Pathfinder Origins, number one from Boom. If you listen to our Answer the Week
0: podcast, you may have heard our friend and dungeon master, Wooly Toots, name Pathfinder as his favorite licensed comic, but not for the comic itself. He likes the extra sh they include. I'm saying every time I pick up a Pathfinder comic, it's a solid read, and this one was no exception. Very nice art by Tom Garcia, too, that had some manga inspiration, but stayed well-rooted in fantasy comics. This is a fun read that made me want to play Pathfinder even more, but I'm confused. There's bugbears in Pathfinder,
1: too? Regardless? There's bugbears all over the place, man. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this place is lousy with bugbears lately.
1: Stray, number one from Action Lab. Vito Del Sante and Sean... I'm going to say it's pronounced... Isaacs. Bring us the story of the Doberman and his sidekick, the Rottweiler, a classic superhero pairing with a twist. What happens when Robin grows up to be a douchey drug dealer then finds out that Batman's been murdered? Santi's story is a ton of fun and the art by Isaacs or Izaxi or whatever is really great. Sorry about the name. This scratched the same sort of itch that Secret Identities did and I'm really looking forward to more. Buy it really good art. Like, impressive art. The Dead Don't Die from Working Class Press.
0: This is an over-narrated tale of a gun-sleeing stranger that wanders headlong into a new kind of evil in the Old West. Zombies! This was a digital-only comic I grabbed off Comixology, written and drawn by James Guy Hill, who has a very cool minimalist style that reminds me of Richard Sala and Edward Gorey. It was only a dollar, but I can only give it a strong it because he did really over-narrate stuff. His art's strong enough that he could've just let some of it happen. And I think He's probably new, and he has a lot of promise. Strong skimming. King, colon,
1: Mandrake, the Magician, number one from Dynamite. The King revival rolls on, and Matt and I are dedicated to reviewing <laughs> every first issue. This is the return of the world's greatest illusionist. Apparently, there was an invasion that wiped out the world's technology, but everyone seems to be doing Okay. Regardless, this was a quaint story by Roger Langridge with fun art by Jeremy Treese. Really neat. I, very stylized. I kind of liked it. Do I care about Mandrake enough to keep reading? Probably not. Do I have any idea where this alien invasion took place? No, I do not. I don't either. Did I enjoy this issue? Yeah, it was pretty fun. Strong skimming. All right. Slice!
0: That injured ludicrous speed round ends is the sound of a mercenary getting sliced in half by a gigantic (laughs) sword as seen in the pages of Pathfinder Origins. Number one, now go directly to the THN forums and let us know what you thought of these comics and lay it on us. Tell us when the hell this Mongo invasion took place because Joe and I honestly don't freaking know. You can do so in the new lay it on me section at the THN forums.
1: Do it now. Every year, Matt's wife, Casey, hosts a high-stakes Oscar party, but it's usually at occasional guest host Dave DeMarco's place because the ziggurat is a place of business and arcane secrets. Yeah, we can't have people over It there. is not for frivolity. This year, though, Matt and I, tired of losing to our respective wives every year, have invited Madam Webb to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum and asked her to peer into the near future to get a vision of the winners of some of the lesser Oscar categories. Because he who guesses the best live action short and sound editing winners takes home the pot. True death. And whoever can explain to me the difference between sound editing and sound design gets an official THN Oscar. Right after we're done, I will show you the difference. (laughs) Matt, while Madam Web divines some winners, why don't you tell the listeners what you're excited to read next week? Next week, I'm excited for
0: Black Hood, number one, written by Dwayne Swierzynski with art. By Michael Gayados. When was the last time we heard that dude's name? It's been a while. It's been a while. This is the first of the Archie Red Circle comics, and (laughs) I think they're called Dark Circle now. Yeah, I believe it is called Dark Circle. And the first Archie comic to drop the F-bomb. Yeah! (laughs) That is something. Historical! Here's your solicit. The Bullets Kiss, part number one of five. When Philadelphia police officer Greg Hedinger stepped into the middle of a gunfight, hot lead shredded his face, and he pulled the trigger. Blind now, Greg is waking up in a world where he's a killer, hopelessly scarred, and hooked on painkillers. What does a man do when he can no longer face the world, but still wants to do good? He puts on a hood. Question mark. What? <laughs> Seems like more of a statement to me. Regardless, love Dwayne Trzynski. Love Michael Gaydos. Really curious to see what goes on in these Dark Circle comics. Can't wait. Joey, what are you reading next week?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what? Real quick about the red circle stuff. I've been uh the dark circle stuff, I've been excited for this. I think it sounds cool as hell, man. They, and this is also a great way for
0: Archie to branch out into a superhero world. Yeah. Because there are still people that just will not buy Afterlife with Archie, will not buy Sabrina, even though we're yet to see issue two, wherever the right. hell that is. Even though they're great because they go, no, it's Archie. I'm not doing it
1: they already kind of launched this a little bit or before it became a whole line. They did the Fox Mm -hmm. and it was by Mark Wade and Dean Haspiel. It was great. Awesome. Can't wait. My pick for next week is spider Gwen. Number one from Marvel comics. Why do they call it spider Gwen? When in the comic book, she calls herself spider woman. I don't know. Well, she's not spider woman, right? And they're gonna have another book called spider woman. It says in the solicit, Gwen Stacy is spider woman. Anyway, written by Jason Latour with art by Robbie Rodriguez. Here's the solicit. Spider Gwen spins into her own series. Bullet! Because you demanded it! (laughs) The breakout hit of the biggest spider event of the century is taking comic shops by storm this winter with her own ongoing series, Spider Gwen! Bullet! Gwen Stacy is Spider Woman. But you knew that already. What you don't know is Uh, what... Excuse me. What you don't know (laughs) is what friends and foes are waiting for her in the aftermath of Spider-Verse. Let's just reset something real quick for new listeners.
0: Solicits often have stuff written in all caps, and we have made a pact that whenever anything is written in all caps we are going to scream it on this show.
1: Maybe not every single time, but only when it's certain that they want us to be in excited. The majority of the time, yeah. So that's what we're doing. If you now. explain it
0: every time, it's not special. Well, some people might just be like, what in the f*** is this guy doing? <laughs> 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 I mean,
1: well, you can't just assume that they understand. Spider-Gwen, as the solicit says... The most popular character introduced in one issue of a crossover comic. Hey, she won Mike Golden
0: Beppo for best new character. Yeah, last year. based I'm, on
1: one appearance. I loved her. She's cool. She's a rocker chick. She yeah. fights crime. Yeah. She's from a world where Peter Parker died, and she got bit by the uh she got bit by the spider instead of him. Cool idea. I loved it. I loved that Edge of Spider Verse issue. I am excited for this series. It's gonna be great. I think it's gonna take place on her alternate world. Really? Yeah. Because there's all this talk in future issues about Frank Castle still being a cop. Huh. And uh, Uncle Ben being alive still. That is fun. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's almost like a what if. It's a what if, yeah.
0: Wow. That's really cool. And Jason Latour. At least until Secret Wars. Oh, fair enough. Who knows? And Jason Latour is fantastic.
1: Jason Latour is not only, he is a double threat. Yep. He's a great artist and a great writer. Big time double threat. Robbie Rodriguez, though, supes talented. Total badass. The right.
0: THN trader of the Week goes to The Fade Out, Volume 1. From Image Comics, written by Ed Brubaker, with art by Sean Phillips. Quite possibly the best team in comics working today. Certainly the most consistent. Man, they're good. 120 pages for 10 bucks, y'all. Come on. Here's your solicit. Brubaker and Phillips! Newest hit series. See, I don't think think that's supposed to be... That's just like... That's what they do. It's in all caps, man. I'm doing it. Is an epic noir set in the world of noir itself. Man, if I had a nickel for every time I said noir backlots and bars of Hollywood at the end of its golden era a movie stuck in endless reshoots a writer damaged from the war and lost in the bottle a dead movie star and the lookalike hired to replace her nothing is what it seems in the place where only lies are true the fade out is Brubaker and Phillips most ambitious project yet I just feel like this one kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit it also had some delays yeah but you should pick it up if you haven't read the fade out Ooh, baby, so damn good. Yes, especially if you liked Criminal, if you like any of the noir stuff that Brubaker's worked on. Yeah, pick I, this up.
1: I was up. not necessarily. I didn't really get into Fatal. I like me. Ma- I'd like to revisit it.
0: I liked Fatal a lot, but
1: at first, I just wasn't that into it. But the fade out had me from page one. It's amazing. All right. After you're done using arcane magics to cheat on your Oscar ballot, let us know what you're excited to read next week over at the THN forums.
0: Once a month, Joe and I prove we've been taking our ADD pills by putting down the superhero comics and hefting a graphic novel into our laps for a little segment we like to call Take a Look, It's in a Book. This month, we tackled Scott McCloud's The Sculptor from First Second Books. Back in
1: 1993, Scott McCloud wrote and illustrated a dissection of the comics genre called Understanding Comics, followed later by Reinventing Comics and Making Comics all of which are absolute must-reads for any comic fan. They're incredible. The Sculptor is McCloud's first fictional work in a while, and it took him five years to complete the nearly 500-page graphic novel. Already, The Sculptor has been a huge sales success, reaching number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, thanks in no small part to me tweeting sad pictures from it. (laughs) And... Already optioned for a film by Sony Pictures. man, oh man. Yep. I, I didn't know that. Get ready. I am For not. The Sculptor, the musical. <laughs> you know, if it's like by that Sony Pictures Classics or whatever. like it could be Like okay. whoever put out Birdman or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, I'm into it. The Sculptor is the story of David Smith,
1: a somewhat successful
0: artist who shares his name with a very successful one. David has fallen on hard times after being dropped by his former agent. With his money drying up and no family to turn to, David finds himself visited on his birthday by his dead great-uncle, who may or may not be death incarnate. His uncle offers him a deal that David believes is the only way to bring meaning to his life. For the next 200 days, he'll be able to sculpt anything he can imagine with his bare hands. But he will also only have 200 days left to live. David wakes with the ability to literally sculpt anything he touches into any form he chooses. Now he has a short time to make a body of work that would take anyone else a lifetime. But just as he's trying to focus ideas, he finds himself falling madly in love with Meg, a manic pixie dream girl known for taking in charity cases that helped him get back on his feet. Joey. This was a massive effort on the part of McLeod who has sort of set himself apart as the professor of comics. Yes. And mm. if it's not his nickname, he deserves it. There you go. Do you think McCloud stood up to his own rigid critiques of the comic book genre?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. From beginning to end, The Sculptor was a book that I couldn't put down. I picked it up while I was doing something else. Like I was waiting for my computer to reboot or I was uploading the show or something. And I picked up the hardcover that I... Bought from legend, I was making love to my wife, ok. And then and you picked I picked it up. up the hardcover, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I picked up the book, just thinking I'm going to skim it a little bit while I'm waiting for this thing to finish. Mm-hmm. And I read the first hundred or so pages in no time, yeah, I did too. Burned through it, and from then on, I just I read it in three three small chunks. and the I finished it on a Sunday afternoon. I just sat down in the complete quiet and I read like the last two or 300 pages and couldn't stop. I didn't stop to get up and go to the bathroom. I just I just I couldn't I literally couldn't put it down. It was so compelling.
0: It should be said that, yes, this is nearly a 500 page book, but the way that it reads, it does read very quickly and don't be intimidated by the size.
1: Oh, sure. I mean. It's a 500 page book. The vast majority of those pages are primarily visual.
0: Yeah. I read this in three sittings. Yeah. I will say when I dug into this, the, the opening part of the book was fantastic where you, you, we meet David Smith and he is this down on his luck, drunk, essentially, and he is a very typical over-emotional artist he's yeah. bad with people he's kind of a jackass he's not a great guy no he's just sort of an asshole who's obsessed with Selfish. his art and mcleod does a really nice job using this character to tell the story of what is a good life what does it mean
1: to what really
0: brings meaning right what truly brings meaning to your life and he does this in a sense in a very realistic sense obviously he has a, a excellent understanding of the art world and how artists talk, how shows are put together, how agents work with each other. Cause it really does deep like delve in some of the nuts and bolts of the art world and does so in an extremely convincing fashion. It annoyed me at first, but then I realized, well, you know what? This is how these f-ing artists talk. <laughs> Cause they're constantly dropping references right. to other artists. And the way things are put together and some of the shitty parts behind the art world, such as like there's a scene where he meets his trust fund kid that's sort of dating his agent and puts together this really crappy sculptures that he pays someone else to do. He just comes up with the ideas, very Andy Warhol factory type art. And David Smith just can't stand it, thinks it's absolutely worthless and ridiculous and wants so much to pour out his own heart into his sculpting that when he gets these powers, he just does everything. He makes a million sculptures and he's like, there it is. My life's work. It's incredible. And he brings in his agent to see it. And his agent's like, well, this is good, but it's pretty spastic. Like even given all the power in the world, he still hasn't mastered. It almost makes it worse. Yeah. He hasn't mastered his art and he sees these other artists that are working in the medium as well that are doing these really brave things and they're doing it the hard way and they're doing it with their hands the right way. And he, instead of going, Oh man, that's inspiring. He just gets really fucking jealous and he gets lost in his own drive. I'll tell
1: you what? It's like talking to Matt bomb.
0: <laughs> he gets lost in his own drive to bring meaning into his life that he actually misses the fact that he's falling in love with this woman at the same time, and only has two hundred days to live.
1: The research that must have gone into this book, massive. Scott mcleod in at the end of the book where he gives acknowledgments, he thanks Google <laughs> for, <laughs> because he walked around New York City taking uh, tens of thousands of photos. Yeah, but it wasn't near enough to what he needed, and he. Literally had to Google pictures of New York skyline and New York landmarks. And, and if you've
0: seen, if you've been in New York, you can see it. It is here in the book. It feels like New York.
1: He does a McCloud does an excellent job establishing the location. Definitely, always in every single scene. There's always just a few shots of things that are happening in the area. Like if they're in a park, there's there's here's a panel of people playing with a dog or. Here's uh, some old people fit, sitting on a bench or whatever, you know, that sort of establishing yeah. visuals. And if
0: you read his understanding comics, that's one of the first things he says yeah. that a
1: good comic
0: creator does, tells you exactly where you well, it's are. It's
1: the same. Movies and, are the same. Yeah. Comics put you are in that place. Comics are movie storyboards. Yes. Essentially. You're, you're trying to tell a, a, a story with static pictures. Right. So you have to make the effort to establish everything you're doing because the camera can't do it for you of course and mcleod is a master of it
0: yeah he nails it here he really does and if sony pictures is going to be turning this into a movie you got the storyboards maybe it's done (laughs) maybe they'll team
1: with marvel and incorporate it into the cinematic universe i've
0: got to say yeah i'm sure (laughs)
1: i've
0: got coming soon to the avengers the sculptor (laughs) while i was reading it i did there is some very precious stuff that happens here these are ultra hip, are sure, art yeah. crowd and drama people, like artsy m- fartsy New York weirdos. Meg is a very emotionally broken, manic pixie dream girl. She's way up and then she's way down, and that's people like that tend to drive me insane. But I cannot say that she's not perfectly written here. I've dealt with, I've dated people like this, and he nails the depression that some people fall into here while using david who is in a hurry to get the stuff done and he can't tell anyone why and he sort of wants to help but he can't he doesn't have time he's in love with her and he's completely torn between his own maniacal drive right
1: and that is that is the driving idea behind the bulk of the book until the very end yeah david is selfish Uh, completely he is self-obsessed And he, like you said earlier, he almost misses every opportunity to make himself available for other people. Yeah, absolutely. While other people are all making themselves themselves available available for for him. him. Right. It's only at the end when he's got weeks or days left, does he finally snap out of it and and figure things out. Now, I don't want to get too much more into that because then we're getting into spoiler stuff.
0: I will say this is the perfect takedown of selfish artist guy. It really is. And there's, I want to hand this book to a bunch of people I know and go, you you fucking prick, read this.
1: (laughs) The characters are all so well established and fully fleshed out. Like you said, the way that he's able to treat David's feelings of inadequacy and doubt and his need to create and to make an impact and Meg's, up and down you know yo-yo depression and her roommates who
0: yeah like they were all so good that they were annoying
1: right <laughs> it's like these fucking people <laughs> but they exist this is who they this is real her yeah. roommates that care about her so much to the point that they shut other people out yeah but they do it from a place of wanting to protect this person that they love It's not because they don't like David. Right. It's that they don't trust David to be able to step up. And they've obviously dealt with this before. Uh, Yeah. This book just tore my heart out. It is is gut-wrenching. And it's beautifully drawn. Scott McCloud doesn't just know about the mechanics of comics. He is a brilliant artist. He
0: really is. And this is monochrome. It's like blue and gray, basically. Yep. And even with just those two colors. Oh, well, there's black in there, too. But even with just those three colors, he expresses so much motion, so much emotion. I, it, And it's weird because, like, there were parts of the book where he definitely switched the feel. Like, in the beginning, it was very real in his cartoony style, but still very real. And then towards the end, as the character is getting closer and closer to the day of his death, you see things really start to speed up. And you start to see things like speed lines behind the character and stuff. Right that are tropes of superhero comics and manga comics that weren't there, but they work really well in the story to say, okay, we're getting desperate.
1: There were scenes where you would have, uh, for example, there's a scene in a diner where David is talking to Harry, his uncle, who is death, right? I guess there's not a lot of detail in those panels. It's very tightly focused on Harry and David and they're talking, talking, talking and, and, As the conversation gets more and more heated, the detail begins to fill in. And when David blows up, you see a fully rendered panel of David inside of a large diner full of people. Yeah. And you didn't know that at first. But of course, they were—they had to be somewhere in public, right? Right. But it's not until that moment that you realize this dude just had a meltdown in public, and he's talking to no one.
0: Well, and it's perfect to illustrate that he's completely self-absorbed,
1: drunk idiot. Right. It's just—it's that sort of stuff. He's working—he's working with one or two colors. Right. But McCloud was able to do so much with the, re- the line work
0: and the reveal,
1: or even simple things like. This is a panel that's done all in blue line, but then one figure is black.
0: And even the perspective changes when that happens. Like, all of a sudden, the perspective is looking down at David, and so you can see the whole room. Because he feels like, oh my God, everyone, I just blew up in front of God and everybody.
1: (laughs) It's just, it's so well executed and so well laid out. Uh, This book was amazing. I find it hard
0: not to just hand this one the eisner already and i bet this is your eisner for best graphic novel this year I'd be you know it's february it. but i'm putting money on it's it.
1: gonna be hard to top this this was just an enormous treat yeah and huge i loved every, every page yes huge buy it obviously highly recommended from both of us so obviously that is a huge buy it for the sculptor from both of us be sure to let us know what you thought of scott mccloud's latest graphic novel over at the forums in the take a look thread. Next month on Take a Look It's in a Book, we will be reading volumes one and two of March. They're short. Written by Congressman John Lewis with Nate Powell. So grab your copies. It's supposed to be excellent stuff. Read along with us. You'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear this sound. (laughs) The... Right. sort of break it, break it down like this.
0: And that is it for this Oscar-losing edition of THN. If you want an explanation as to why the Lego movie wasn't nominated for Best Animated Film and Best Picture, as much as we do, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn, where we still need your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. How to Train Your F***ing Dragon 2. Seriously?
1: Calm down. Come on. Thanks to all of our donors and everything su- is not fing awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all of our donors and supporters. And if you want to keep us in designer gowns for the fashion Police to Berate, you can do so by clicking our Fashion Forward PayPal button at 2 at a If you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the make this donation monthly box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, shoot us an email with the subject line sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype,
0: and our Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Using this list of resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read. You can hit us with your Ask a Nerd questions or trivia, or defend your questionable nerd case in front of the two-headed judge for our Defenders segment, or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, drawn on the back of advanced tickets to the Batman Lego movie, whatever, and... Don't forget to go sign up for the THN Forums, guys. This is your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show. You can hit us with your favorite all-time Oscar snubs or just rap about comics. Speaking of the forums, we have a new Defenders thing up where I want someone to defend Gail Simone's Secret Six. We've got a Lay It On Me, a brand new forum where we ask you guys questions. You can answer it there or you can call us and answer it and we'll play you on the damn show.
1: And Elise Wisdom is very concerned about Sergey (laughs) and him declaring his affections for her on last week's Answer of the Week. Escandalo. (laughs) Escandalo. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Baum's Spotify profile. I'm going to warn you, I listened to some scary s***, folks. (laughs) Remember to follow Two-Headed Nerd on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast every Wednesday. But if you need more THN in your life now, get over to twoheadednerd.com and check out a new Saturday morning cartoons All about the greatest cartoon in the history of man I like we're posting them on Saturday morning That's The fun. Tick Ah, nice Yes It's true It had to happen a Strong argument for that You've also got book reports by Andrew McBride You've got Nerd TV by Jim Stafford You've got Little Chris speed reviews by Aaron Myers And I have it on good authority That there's a new installment of Charlie Tron Ready to go up That guy, he's out of mind, busy I love him Next week He's a go-getter He is
0: Next week, we're playing Who the Hell is This Guy, where a very special friend of ours is going to explain, not just to you, but to Joe and I both, just who the
1: hell is Mr. Sinister. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm confident that at the end of it, I still won't understand oh, it. Yeah. Before we go,
0: our weekly shout-out goes to Michael Sevier of the Omaha World-Herald, the bottom-line internet sports and entertainment talk show. Mike had us on as guests this week to discuss this summer's slate of comic book movies and further out us as nerds in front of our peers. We have a link to the interview in the notes for this show. It is also one on the forums if you want to see Joe's fly dance moves and me kissing former NU quarterback Joe Gans firmly on the mouth. Word to you, Michael. And I'm sorry, buddy, but no matter what you say, Gambit still sucks. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might option your life story for a cautionary movie to warn other nerds. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Oh yeah,